That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life, life was, was made, made manifest, manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest man to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk, walk in the light as he is in the light, we, we have, have fellowship, fellowship with one another, another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth, and the truth, and the truth, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How's everyone doing this morning? Wonderful. The weather is cooler. I can wear my jacket now. Football has started. I am worshiping with those that I love, the one whom I love. It's a great day to be alive. We will begin to start a new series today in 1 John. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, join me in the book of 1 John. It's towards the end of the New Testament. If you turn all the way to the back to the maps and work your way forward, you'll find it sooner rather than later. And this series entitled Shining Light on Authentic Faith. Shining Light on Authentic Faith. Faith And John, the writer, is challenging us and challenging those that have real questions about what true faith looks like. Because John knows this, Jesus has taught us this, we sometimes struggle with this, that not everyone who calls himself a Christ follower truly follows Jesus Christ. Not everyone who calls himself Baptist truly follows Jesus Christ. Not everyone who lives in the South truly follows Jesus Christ. And so how can we tell the difference? And by all means, how do I know if I truly know Jesus Christ? That's the answer that I want for myself. Because I believe God's word answers that for us. So today we will ask this question, can I even know God? This is a question that many of you may have asked. God, can I even know you? Uh, last year, in 2016, an Israeli man petitioned a restraining order against God. Very odd. Um, apparently, the plaintiff, identified as Mr. David Shoshan, um, represented himself in a court in Haifa, which, if you've ever been to Israel, is on the coast. And he petitioned the court because he noted um, that God was treating him harshly and not nicely. And the court noted, in the court records, it is noted that God was not present to defend himself. Mr. Shoshan explained it this way. He said he had made several attempts to contact police to report God's alleged crimes. 
and that the patrol cars had been sent to the house over 10 times, 10 occasions. Uh, Police advised him to take out a restraining order. The request by the judge was obviously denied, and the judge said this. He called Mr. Shoshan delusional, saying, you cannot bring an accusation against God. So we ask, is the man truly delusional? This quote jumped out at me, though, that God was not present to defend himself. Because many of us, if we are honest, I know this is a place where we struggle with honesty, but it is okay. If you have come in here doubting that Jesus is not who he says he is, and if you doubt that God is who he says he is, that's okay. God is bigger than our doubts. How do I know that? Because I came to God doubting, and he crushed my doubts. And there have been men and women throughout ages that have come to God and said, if you are true, show me yourself. C.S. Lewis, Lee Strobel, came to God's word and said, I will prove God wrong. And they end up believing because you cannot prove truth wrong. So if you're here today and you struggle and you say, is God real? And I'm scared to ask that question. I'm going to ask it for you. And God's word will gloriously answer that in our life. So can we know God? Uh, John gives us three hinges. He says, absolutely. It's Jesus, it's eternal life, and it is the church. Can I know God? Look at Jesus, look at eternal life, and look at the church. Let's pray. Father, would we, as people who seek you or who are questioning Lord, would we leave here with an intense desire to know you more? Father, help us truly seek Jesus Christ because you are what we need when we need it. Father, as we have already sung, you are great. You are marvelous. Your name is worthy to be praised. Lord, there is nothing that we need that is not found in you. So, Lord, help us know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Join me as we read God's word together. This is God's word to us. That should blow our minds, by the way, that we can even know God and know his word. Verse 1, 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have observed, which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And that life was revealed And we have seen it. And we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That our joy may be complete. So can you know God? Yes. Yes. Verse 1. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. We can know God because of Jesus Christ. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Uh, Here's what's awesome about Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus is not plan B. You say, well, how do you know that? That which was from the beginning. It doesn't say God created man and we sinned and God said, oh no, what do we do? No, that which was from the beginning. Jesus has always been God's plan of redemption, which means that God's plans for us 
have always been from the beginning. God's plan for you and for me is always Jesus Christ. And sometimes we struggle because we say, God, show me your plan for me. Like, God, I want to see what you have for me. And God says, I have. His name is Jesus. What a glorious thought. That which was from the beginning, his name is Jesus Christ. You know, all religions in this world claim revelation. Christianity is not exclusive in that way. Every, every religion that you would turn to, if you are seeking here this morning, they're going to claim a divine religious experience. For instance, Buddhism depends on profound insights gained by Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, in his enlightenment under a Bodhi tree. We can carry it further. Hinduism looks to the Vedas, which are passed on from first man to the dawn of time. Islam says that the angel Gabriel dictated divine truths to the prophet Muhammad. And you say, well, pastor, why are you giving us a religious lesson here? Because Christianity is different. Christianity is different. And this is why Christianity depends on one man. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you take Jesus away, our faith, my faith, is nothing. It's as if God, it's as if all of Christianity puts Christ on the cross, and that is the chopping block. It says you take it or leave it, but, but Christianity, knowing God, depends on Jesus Christ. And it truly does if you remove Jesus, our faith crumbles. You say, well, how can we prove then if Jesus exists? Um, well, we can attack it in a scientific way. Um, and this is what God leaves us with. I, I want you to think through this analytically. I just think analytically. Some of you are where I am. If I see it, then I can believe it. If I don't see it, then I can't. And there's going to be struggle with faith there. So let's pretend this. Pretend my late great-great-great-grandfather who's passed away for years ago, um, reveals himself in the Pizzitz food hall. Right? And he goes to Eli's Deli, which is awesome. If you haven't been, I would recommend it. It's a really neat place to go try out some food. Um, and he, he goes to this food hall, and he proclaims that he has divine truth. And then he is no more. So what would we do? We would, hopefully, as um, rational people, we would go to the food hall and say, look, did anyone see, right? Caleb, did you see Josh's late, late, late grandfather? Um, did you talk to him? And if you talked to him, what were you eating when you talked to him? Because that might be part of the problem, right? And, and what did he say? And were you in your right mind? Were you struggling? We have four books of the Bible that tell us who Jesus was, what he said, and what he did. We have ancient documents that tell us that a man named Jesus Christ was crucified on a Roman cross. We have verification that the Romans feared. The Jews feared that someone would steal the body. So they put professional soldiers at the tomb. That no one would, on their life, go in that tomb. And the next day, three days later, when they go to the tomb, Jesus Christ is not there. Christianity hinges upon Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I know that. Right? We're at church. But do you believe that and do you live it out? 
do we live in a way that our knowledge of God is dependent upon Jesus himself? See, this is John's answer to us. He said, well, can I know God? John's answer is, look at Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, right? So if my great, 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 great grandfather, um, someone says that I saw him in downtown Birmingham, we're going to go ask, what did you hear? And John then says, not only what we have heard from Jesus, but what we have seen from him, what we have observed, and not only that, what we have Touch, and, and some of you are here, and you are like Thomas, the one who doubted. And you said, I will believe Jesus when I see the holes in his hands and when I can touch them. And here is the glorious truth of Jesus. He revealed himself to Thomas and said, okay, if that's what you need here. Here they are. And Thomas believed. Can I know God? Yes, his name is Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus why did Jesus come to the earth so that you and I would believe? Now, just think about this for a second. It is unbelievable that Jesus is Jesus. Do you know of any other story? And this is why the world looks at Christianity with crazy eyes sometimes. Because we say, look, we're going to worship someone today on Sunday. There was a man that lived thousands of years ago, and he was a really good guy. He wasn't just good, but he said he was God. This is God coming to earth, and he died for our sins, but he didn't just die, he rose again in three days. And he didn't just rise again, but he appeared to 500 people who saw, verifiable, saw that, and then he rose, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. That is not believable other than Jesus Christ. And why did Jesus come to us so that we may no, God revealed himself to us. Look at verse 2. That life was revealed to us. Here's something I love about Scripture. Hebrews 1, 2 says this. In the last days, that's now, right? The last days, there will be wars and rumor of wars. There will be crazy countries that are blowing up atomic bombs. Uh, North Korea did that recently while I was sleeping last night. Um, that's going to happen more, by the way. Jesus said it was going to happen. I believe it. It will happen. He has spoken to us by his son. And God has appointed Jesus heir of all things and has made the universe through him. Now listen to this about Jesus. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. Did you hear that? He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of God's nature. Sustaining all things by his powerful word, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Why would God send his only son, his only son for you and for me? Because God wants you to know him. Why would God, why would God go to all this trouble for us? I know we think we're something special. Um, in the realm of eternity, like, put yourself up to the sun. You can't even look at it except you have these magic glasses, or it'll burn your eyes out. And it's, what, millions of years away? Like, who am I compared to the sun? 
And who am I that God would send his son that we would know God? Like God wants you to know him. So if you're struggling here and you say, well, I want to know God, but I don't know if God wants me to know him. God, verse 2, the life was revealed. Revealing means a, an uncovering of himself. God wants you to know him. So if you don't know God, it's not on God, it's on us. God wants you to know him. And that is a glorious, peaceful truth in my life. Because there is nothing about me that I should know anything about God. And yet, he wants us to know him because he is good. He is loving. But knowing God is not a momentary decision or a, a momentary event. I want you to think at verse 2 again. Um, that life was revealed. We have seen it and we testify and declare to you. Um, here's a struggle sometimes with religious people. And I, and I say that because I am one, right? Um, we want to say this. So, no, I want to know God. I really want to know God. Because God wants me to know him, and that is mind-blowing. And so we talk about, well, if I just put my faith in Jesus, if I just confess him as Lord at one point, then I will know him. Knowledge of God is not a one-time momentary decision in our life. It is, it is an unveiling of God's goodness throughout time to me. Because I believe it this way. Like if God poured all of who he was in my mind, like we could not contain a sliver of who God is. So if you're here and you think that you've made it on the knowledge scale of who God is, um, let me say this very nicely, you haven't arrived yet. Right? You, you, it's, a, it's a preseason poll. They don't mean anything. Right? You gotta play the game. Um, but, so we can't, we can't just sit on our seats and say, man, look at what I know. Because knowledge of God is not a mental ascent. God wants to continually pour himself into me that I may know him through his word. And so I ask you, are you hungering and thirsting for knowing God in your life? And before you say yes, here's what, here's what scares me to death. The more I know God, the more uncomfortable I become, right? So the more I get to the light of God, I'm like, Lord, there's some dark things in my life. That there's some closets that I don't want to go into. And, and we're just talking about behavior. And God is saying, look, let's look at your heart first. And like, God, don't, that's, that's like the rooms in our house that no one goes into. Because it's where the, you know, it's like past the Christmas decorations. Like you don't go in those rooms. Like the knowledge of God transforms our life. He wants you to know him. He wants you to draw closer to his presence. And he wants you to continually hunger and thirst for his knowledge. And John reminds us of this. John asks us, are you listening to Jesus? Verse 1, right, from the beginning, what we have heard. Are you listening to Jesus? Not only are you listening to him, but are you looking at Jesus? Verse 1, that we have seen with our eyes. And are you reaching out to him? John says that we have touched him with our hands. There is nothing more crucial to our faith than Jesus Christ. So why do we make our faith about other things? Why do we get wrapped up in petty arguments about things that are not about Jesus? Look, we have a lost world. We have neighbors that if they die tonight without Christ, they are going to an eternity in hell without Jesus. 
So who cares that their grass is too long? Why don't you, well, we should go cut it for them. Right? You say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't have time. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize I need to love my neighbor. We need to live a life where we are seeking the knowledge of God and the transformation that comes through his power, through the gospel, and that we can say, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to know you. And Lord, let me touch you. And if you are here today and you say, well, can I even know him? Ask that question. Ask the question, God, can I know you? And strap on your seatbelt because God is going to show you who he is. That's why Jesus came, that we might know God. Verse 1. You say, well, how else? I don't believe yet. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Secondly, the second hinge in our lives, how can we know God? How can we have authentic faith? Uh, verse 2. That life was revealed. We have seen it and we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and that was revealed to us. John reminds us this. See, you can know God is real because you have life. And that life is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. You see, to know and follow Jesus is to know God himself. And to know God is to know and have true life. And so I'm going to be sort of harsh on the religious people. If you're not religious, this is a great day to come to church. Uh, you get a break. Um, listen, the very fact that you and I are alive right now is a testimony to the common grace of God. Right? There, look, I have done things in my life that if God was not looking out for me way before I was looking out for me, I wouldn't be here now. I have, I have eaten things. I have hit my head on things. I've just done foolish boy things. And I still do that because the, the more men you get together in a room, the lower the IQ goes. Right? And, and I'm okay admitting that. Right? Because it's uh, one guy is going to say, I bet you I can jump off the stage without hurting myself. Two guys are going to say, I bet you I can jump off the balcony. Three guys are going to say, who's going to repel off the, the ceiling? We do things that if God wasn't looking out for us, by his common grace, we would already be dead. Now think about this spiritually. Sin in itself leads to death. So one sin in my life should lead to immediate death. And I am a sinner in the hands of a God who cannot tolerate sin. The fact that I am here today is the common grace of God. Like, we don't deserve life. I know we think that way. But God created us and fashioned us in his image. And then we sang a song earlier. It is his breath in our lungs that in Genesis 1.26 were made in his image. In Genesis 2.15, the Bible says that God breathed life into the nostrils of man. That the fact that we're even alive is a testimony that God is real and that he is good. And we just ignore that sometimes. We, we get up and we take our lives for granted. So now... Let me get messy for us. Um, listen, if you follow Jesus, you should have life that is more full and life that is abundant. We, as people who say we honor Jesus Christ, should be full of life, not dead. Right? We should be people 
that when the community comes to us, that they should look at us and they say, you know what, you don't live in the same way, but you live like something that I want because you have life. Like your home is destroyed and you still have life and joy. Where does that come from? The stock market took a crash. You still have life and joy. You've been diagnosed with cancer and your life is still full. You've walked through hardships and you have life. We need to have life. Church, it's okay to celebrate the life that we have in Jesus Christ. We should not be spiritual sourpusses because we're lying to the world. Right? Jesus frees me, not enslaves me. And that is a testimony that he is good. Eternal life is a testimony that God is real and that we can know him. Isn't this what Jesus says in John 3? Jesus says that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I love life. And I love Jesus. And we should be life-giving, life-living people. So maybe today, as you respond to God's grace, you need to say, Lord, I've just been living like a dead man. Father, I have not been a light that you have called me to be. Lord, help me enjoy your grace because people are looking at me and asking, can I know God? And we can say, yes, because I have life. I have life more full. So, well, pastor, what does that look like? Look at, look at verse 1. John says, I have heard, I've seen, I've felt Jesus, and concerning the life which was revealed, this word of life, we see it and we testify to you. A fulfilled and whole life is only found in Jesus Christ. A fulfilled and whole life is only found in Jesus Christ. So, well, how can you say that? Um, Because the Bible says it. That I could gain the whole world And it would profit me nothing if I lose my soul. And look at the things that we chase in life. Right? We we want a good house and a great neighborhood. And then we get the house and the good neighborhood, and we we begin to think, hmm, how about another house? Or a bigger house? Or we have like three kids to cut, you know, to to cut the grass and do the dishes. And like, that's not enough because I still have to work. And because I gotta feed the kids. They don't just work for free, unfortunately. And we have to Pay tuition, and nothing in this world satisfies us. And why is that? Because God has put a longing in our heart for eternity. And only Jesus can fill that hole. No degree. You say, well, I, well if I just learn more, I will be satisfied. Look, I have a terminal degree. So in my field, that's the highest degree you can go. It, it, you almost die. That's why they call it terminal. Um, right? So, in, in the Bible, right? So, if anyone should be able to get to a point where they feel like they can gain eternal life through a degree, I, you think a Bible degree would be that. Um, it does not fulfill me one sliver of what Christ does. It is worthless without the power of the resurrection in my life. And there is no job There is no salary. There is no retirement. There is nothing in our lives that satisfy us. It is only Jesus Christ. Why? Because life, true life, is knowing God and him alone. In a satisfied soul, to be satisfied in Christ leads to a satisfied soul. 
I went to Zambia this year. Some of you went to Dominican and other places, and they have nothing. And yet they have everything. I mean, you go there, and they are worshiping, and you can see they are fulfilled, and they have joy, and they know God, and they don't have anything. I can sell my car and support them for the rest of their life. And I don't drive a, a, um, a Tesla, right, or a Lamborghini. I drive a Toyota. Put that in perspective. And yet they have joy. Why? Because joy is found in Jesus. And we need to tell the world that. Or we need to tell the world that we work, but we work for the Lord. Can I know God? Yes, because Jesus is a revelation of God to us. God wants you to know him. Can I know God? Yes, because he wants us to have life and life more full. A satisfied soul always leads to a satisfied life. And a soul that is starving always leads to a life that is starving. So if you're here and you think something's missing, you know what it probably is. Be satisfied in Jesus today. Because that is a longing that God has put in your heart. Can I know God? Yes, look at Jesus. Yes, look at life. And lastly, verse 3 and 4. Look to the church. Verse 3, what we have seen and what we have heard we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship. I'm reading from the HCSB, with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I love God's Word because it is, it's really good for people who are hard of hearing and hard of headedness. Right, so John says twice, I've written you these things that, that you may have fellowship. And we're like, okay, that's awesome. We're together. We have fellowship. But our fellowship together then results in fellowship with who? The next fellowship with God. So there's a direct connection with my life in Jesus and my life with you guys. So whether you like it or not, I am a part of you in all of my maroon and white glory. Think about that, though. The people you sit with right now matter because they are eternally linked to your life. How can we know God? Look at the church. Fellowship is a Christ-centered, God-given grace. So my fellowship with others is a picture of my fellowship and my knowledge of God. So don't get frustrated at people who don't want to go to church. It's possible more than likely they don't know Jesus. The reason I go to church is not that I will get to know Jesus. The reason I fellowship is because I know the Father. And my fellowship with the Father leaves me with you. And that is a picture of God's grace and his knowledge to the world. In his TED Talk, John Sutherland, he's a police officer in London, um, gave this beautiful story. And he tells about something that's called the Lockhart, the Lockhart Exchange Principle. Some of you who are in law enforcement know about this. It was developed by Dr. Edmund Lockhart in France. And the principle has a simple premise. He said that every contact leaves a trace. Every contact leaves a trace. In other words, every criminal leaves a trace where he goes. And you say, well, that's, that's common knowledge. Uh, because if they touch the door, you leave a fingerprint. But it's not just fingerprints. Every step 
that a criminal takes leaves an imprint. Often the breaths that they can leave, that they breathe, will leave DNA. The hairs that fall off, every touch a criminal makes for our law enforcement, thankfully, leaves an impression. This is the low-cart principle, and this helps our law enforcement solve crimes that seem unsolvable. You see, evidence does not forget. And so Sunderland, in his speaking at the TED Talk, says this. He says, this also has a profound impact on our lives. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm not a criminal. Why would you share that information? Because every contact that you and I have in life leaves an impression. Every contact leaves an impression. Every time two people come in contact, an exchange takes place. So it could be between friends, strangers. We either have the chance to encourage, ignore, hold out a hand, or we can withdraw from it. Have you ever been at a place and you were struggling and someone just gave you a nod and a smile? And it lifted your spirits? Have you ever been at a place and you walk by and you just feel like someone's giving you the cold shoulder? you're like, what in the world is that person's problem? Why would they do that to an angel? I, I don't understand. Um, have you ever felt, I have, I hate that feeling. Um, because our contacts are important. This is what John is telling to us. And how much more so does our contacts now as followers of Jesus Christ have eternal impact? So the way I greet you makes a difference. Right? And when I extend a hand to someone who is in need, it has eternal ripples for the grace and the glory of God. You say, well, why does that matter? Because the way we interact with each other in the world depends on how much we know God if we know Him at all. First John, our fellowship with others is indeed our fellowship with the Father. Are you fellowshipping well? And then John says this. We are writing you these things that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be complete. I love this about God's word. Joy increases when our faith is shared. Joy increases when our faith is shared. If you are not someone that has a lot of joy, ask yourself this. When's the last time you shared your faith? That's a hard question to ask, isn't it? When's the last time you shared your faith? You say, well, that's difficult. I understand that. Sharing our faith is not natural. That's why it is God-given and Holy Spirit-driven. The times in my life where I share my faith, not here, but out there, are the times that I depend most on the Holy Spirit in my life because I know that no sinner turns to Jesus on his own because I know that this sinner never turned to Jesus on his own. Have you shared your faith? You say, well, no, you're not joyful. And maybe it's time that you began to see joy that only the Holy Spirit can rot in your heart. I had a friend Friday that was going through a difficult time. And I said, look, let's hang out. And I said, I have a project. He said, what is that? I said, we're going to go to the ICU. Like, that's a horrible place to take someone that's going through a bad time. But we were able to gather around a dear brother who's had a stroke. And we spent time in his hospital room praying and encouraging and sharing. And you know what happened to our hearts when we left? The joy of Christ flooded our soul. 
with the expectation that when we prayed to our Father, He listened. And I can pray to my Heavenly Father because God wants me to know Him. And through Christ, I can know God. What a beautiful thought that is. Church, increase your joy. You say, well, I don't know anyone that doesn't know Jesus. That is a lie from the devil. Go to Walmart today. Go eat out. Look around. Now, find someone that needs God's grace. That is what the Lord has equipped us to do. Share your faith that our joy may increase. What is the chief end of man but to know God and to make him known? Do you know God today? So how can we respond, church? How can we respond to God's grace? I, I think there's several ways here. One, if you are a believer and a follower of Christ, we're going to sing a song of invitation and redemption. And maybe you don't need to come to the altar and bow your head, but maybe you need to stand up and sing as loud as you can. And you say, well, I don't have a singing voice. I didn't ask if you did. But maybe you need to sing a song that says, Lord, I want to champion to the world what life looks like. And God, I might break the glass. That's okay, we have insurance. But I want the world to know that my song is not coming from my voice, it's coming from my heart. And Lord, I've been quiet for far too long. And maybe your time of response should be a song of declaration that the world needs to know that he has given you life, that you may live it out. Eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts when we die to self and live as Christ. Church, we need to get our act together and live like people who know Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're struggling and you don't know if you can know. And maybe today is the first time you've actually heard someone say that you can know God. Look to Jesus. God sent his son that you may know him. John says, listen, look, observe, touch. You can know Christ. And you say, well, if I sued him right now, he couldn't defend himself in court. Uh, let me tell you this. One day, you and I will stand in the court of the cosmos and look the judge in the face. And he will say, Josh, you have fallen short of the image I made you. You do not deserve life. What is your answer? And that is when Jesus is going to say, Father, don't judge him. He deserves it. But Lord, remember, I died on the cross. So Lord, I took his place. I took his place that, that Josh would know you, Father. That is the power of the gospel, that we who are dead in our sins might have life in Christ if we will submit to him as king of kings. And if you walked in here today not knowing God, do not leave without knowing him. Look to Jesus. Find life and fellowship much. Let's pray, Father.